0: Anxiety is up, the recent research I've seen, is up at least a third um, over this time last year as far as reported cases, people seeking therapy. Depression, same issue, also increased. Suicide attempts, suicide completions, drug overdoses, behavioral acting out, all of it. All all of those things are increasing for a number of reasons, and none of them are good.
1: In 2020, back to school looks different than in any year before. Michael Klinkner has strategies for parents to reduce the stress and increase success. He's our guest on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol, bullying, unhealthy relationships, depression,
0: internet safety, substance use, body image,
1: self-injury, suicide, anxiety, social media, kids,
0: pre-teens,
1: parenting, middle school, high school, Adolescents. teens, coping skills, self-care, relationships, strategies, life skills, prevention, solutions, help, hope, leadership, insight, information, inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year. The official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative. Interesting. Inspiring. Win this year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, Public Information Officer and Prevention Specialist for Not My Kid. It is Season 2, Episode 3 of Win This Year, and our guest for this episode is Michael Klinkner. Michael is a licensed clinical social worker. He completed his Master of Social Work degree at West Virginia University after completing his bachelor's degree at Washington and Jefferson College. Michael has received specialty training in cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, and neurolinguistic programming. Michael is certified in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, also known as EMDR. Michael has been dedicated to helping people find balance for over 20 years. In addition to outpatient services, Michael teaches graduate level courses for the School of Social Work at Arizona State University. Michael provides individual, group, and family therapy to children, adolescents, and adults. Michael, welcome to win this year. Thank you, Shane. You have been in the field for two decades. Have you ever seen a year quite like this? Is there a year or an era that you can even compare twenty twenty
0: two? No, at all. Between, I mean, between it being an election year, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and with the pandemic, there, there's no, there's no frame of reference for what everyone is dealing with all of the sudden um, in such a compact period of time, let alone something that has like, for months and months shifted the way that we're doing everything. For a brief period of time, I'm a Gen Xer. And so the the thing for us that we, we, like that really sticks out as far as like hugely impactful obviously is 9-11. But that's, I mean, that changed a lot but not in the same course and for as long of a period of time as we've had to deal with as far as like between the lockdown and what it's meant for schools and having to wear masks and just the way that lots of us have even done like therapy practice so much over video versus in person. There's no frame of reference for it. There's nothing quite like this.
1: 9-11 was the thing that came to mind for me too. But like you said, even 9-11 didn't change life to the extent for the duration that we're seeing now. And 9-11 didn't have the combination of facets. Like you you listed several things that are all occurring at once. And you know, my question was more about you having been in the field for 20 years. As a human being who's been alive 44 years, I can't compare this with anything else either. So when it comes to youth and families who you work with, what mental and or behavioral health challenges are you seeing an upswing in this year in response to what's going on?
0: Um, all of it, Shane, literally all of it. And so, um, anxiety, uh, is up the re- the recent research I've seen is up at least a third, um, over this time last year, as far as reported cases, people seeking therapy, um, that kind of stuff, depression, same issue also increased, um, suicide attempts, suicide completions, um, drug overdoses, um, behavioral acting out all of it, all, all of those things are increasing, but for a number of reasons, and none of them are good. And so it's, um, because people are, have been like stuck inside for so long, um, here in Arizona in the, you know, in the midst of summer, like you, you can't even go outside and exercise right now. It's a little bit too hot to do all that. And so like people have just felt so stuck and so trapped. The other part too, is I got to tell you, so for people that had any, like, pre-existing like anxiety or depression or kind of any like issues that were in place at all before. um, This is a magnifying glass on it It makes everything so uh, much harder and is just kicking up all these emotions in ways that very few people have ever experienced before.
1: And I've noticed you talk about people with pre-existing mental and behavioral health challenges. I know a lot of individuals personally who have lost much of their support network they have had peer support or they've had a clinic that they've gone to i know a lot of people whose support has shut down due to the pandemic or it's been really contracted and changed to the degree where they can't get the help they need when and where they need it so you talked about every challenge magnifying this year speaking of challenges Back-to-school time is always challenging, even without the presence of a pandemic or civil unrest, but here we are. Many parents are now finding themselves in the dual role of parent and teacher. Do you have any suggestions for parents to make that situation more successful for them and their kids, or at least to reduce the stress somewhat?
0: Yeah, what we've, um, my partner, Dr. Elizabeth Frederick, and I do a lot of like YouTube videos, and we've covered a lot of these things. Um, and one of the big suggestions we have is for, is to normalize school as much as possible, like around, like what a school day might be. So still having a schedule in place, making sure that, uh, the kids are waking up like on time that they get a breakfast that that you're taking a shower, um, and that they're putting clothes on. Um, they don't have to be like, like dressy enough for school necessarily, but like, don't roll in in your pajamas and don't not do your hair and like, don't do it like sitting in bed, um, to also have a designated space set up, whether it be a desk or a table, or even if it's at just at like the kitchen counter where like that's their spot. And so for then they can like, um, they have their computer there that they can help, uh, they can make. And own that spot for them about like where's all the books that they need go like where's their like pencils and stuff like just so they can like have a spot that's their own that's different from the rest of their day and the rest of their things um schedule in lots of breaks when when possible like most of the time the way lots of schools are working is you know if class is an hour long they don't necessarily have a full like hour of assignments or videos or things to do and so, like, hey, get through what you need to do and take a little bit of a break. Get up, walk around, get a snack, drink some water, get away from the computer and get eyes off of it. Um, and also for um, parents, they're going to be like they're going to have to help. They're going to be in their playing teacher. Um, they're going to play like, you know, admin for the tech problems. They're going to have to be like emailing the teachers to see what got missed and why what's happening, all that stuff. Um And also for parents, it's hard, but also being communication with your resources, like the other parents, you know, from the school, talk to them, complain to them. Uh, You guys can share and swap stories that about like what you're frustrated about or like what's fun or funny that's happened in there, but make sure that you're also getting uh, as much connection as possible with the people who matter to you.
1: That support is crucial. And no one can understand a parent like another parent. There is a magic that happens when someone can say to you, I know exactly what that feels like. You suddenly don't feel so alone. And then that person may have some ideas that you can apply to actually improve the situation. As you said, parents are wearing many hats. I mentioned parent and teacher, but you talked about administrator, you talked about tech support. This is uncharted territory. So what I like is a lot of the advice that you just gave, I feel like it could be summed up by saying, control what you have control over, rather than focusing on there's so much that we do not have control over right now, exercising our influence in the area where we can do something. Now, also, how do we as parents help kids with the transition back to school for the kids that are going to be doing either some in-person learning or a hybrid that's going to involve some type of return at some point? For some schools, it's just not happening. For some, it's occurring soon. How do we help them with the transition back to a school year that looks very different from every other one they've ever known? And I'm thinking of young kids, like even just the wearing the masks and things like that. How do we ease them back into that setting?
0: Well, it's um, begin as soon as possible, having those open conversations with them, no matter what the age. And so to ask your kid, like, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about going back? What's the scariest part? Um, And then also, what are you looking forward to? What's going to be fun about it? What's going to be the best part? Also, whatever they say as far as what they're afraid of or, or what's going on or what's going to bother them, the first step is always to validate what they're going through. It, it it doesn't matter if you have to agree or if you think it's disproportionate or if you think it's silly, whatever they have going on, the the parent's first step is to like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Kiddo, oh, if I were thinking that same way, I'd be feeling that way too. I can see why that would be really overwhelming for you. And I, 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 I get where you're coming from. Um, help them sort of like like walk through it and then investigate about what is it about that situation that's really bothering them and then help them regulate, which means either like letting them come up with their own answers for it or like scaffolding or like really helping them come up with an answer for what they feel like is going to be the worst part. So like, if it's the mask, you know, and Shane, this, this part's kind of tricky because unfortunately the wearing of the masks has become politicized and it's unfair and it stinks. And uh, wherever you land on it, The fact is, like, whether you think it's okay or not okay or necessary or like whatever it is, the kids in school are going to have to wear masks. And as a parent, we kind of just have to support them in that whether you feel like it's necessary or silly, that they're going to have to be doing that. Um, And so I know there's been some parents that are really against like the masks or like the kids just don't want to do it. And so they've been supportive of their kids, like, okay, don't wear the mask. You don't have to. Let's see what happens. And the kids are getting in trouble. They're getting suspended. They're getting detentions for kind of their parents' agendas. And that part is really hard. Um, It is just like anything else. man. The school is full of rules that doesn't necessarily make sense or that we may may or may not agree with. Just support your kids so they can get through school right now, whether or not you think it's right or appropriate they're, they're going to have to wear the masks and support them in doing that. And so you can talk about like, it's going to be hot in there. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to want to have it on all the time. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle that situation? When, whenever you're like appropriately distanced from other people, you can take it off for a second. And so it's not quite so hot or get a breath and just walk them through. And then also like, hey, have a couple extra in your backpack because you know you know what's going to happen. Something's going to get on there or something weird's going to happen. It's going to fall on the floor, whatever. But just be as supportive as you can um, in all those situations. And whatever the kid's going through is okay. Uh, the first step is to make sure to validate what they have going on and that um, also it's not just one conversation. It's a lot of conversations where you have to keep checking in about like, okay, how was the first day? How'd it go? And then check in, check in, check in, make sure you keep the door open that they can communicate with you about what's going on and what makes it hard.
1: This is an ongoing process. So one conversation will not do it. This is going to be a lengthy adjustment period. Take the mystery out of it. Start now, like you said, already start talking about, you know, what are your concerns related to this? I love the emphasis on validating their feelings. I know sometimes as adults, sometimes as parents, we hear a high school student, middle school student talk about something that is stressful for them, and we look at it through the lens of adulthood, and we think, well, that's not a big yeah. deal. Comparing it to our adult problems, but not realizing in their world with their lack of brain development, their lack of adult experience, that is as real to them as our stresses to us, and no one of any age likes to be told, your problems aren't real. That will disconnect that communication so quickly. So that emphasis on validation, that is huge. Another big change that's occurred to our kids as a result of the response to COVID is the loss of sports and other extracurricular activities. Some of the things that we emphasize the most as healthy coping skills, they've been removed. Do you have any suggestions for alternative ways that parents can provide their kids that type of outlet?
0: Well, um, that's tricky. And and every parent in every situation is so different from kid to kid and family to family. But like lots of extracurriculars have opened back up and lots of club sports or even some of the high school sport sports are back and practicing in some fashion. And so I've encouraged parents and kids to explore whether or not they feel like it's a safe enough environment for them and for their family. And that is by family by family decision by decision. And so if I have, I, I just had a kid in, who was in here last week, who um, he, he gets a lot of like tutoring and stuff from his grandfather. And so he knows he can't go do those things. He He's supposed to be running cross country and he knows he can't go do those practices. He knows he can't be around the team and he's going to just do online school the whole year and knows that he's missing out. But he knows that he can't he'll lose out on the interactions with his grandfather is who is who's doing so much to help him pass, um, past schools. So like he can't go do those things. And that's a solid decision for him in that family where someone else, like maybe it's okay. And they, they see the practices and see what the coaches and the kids are doing and they feel like it's safe enough and given their family and their environment and how compromised anybody is or isn't, then that's okay. Plug your kid in there. Um, but also know that like what makes sense for your family has nothing to do with anyone else's family, and that's all okay. For those kids um, or the situations where they can't go back, can't go to practice or can't do those activities or shouldn't do those uh, activities for any number of reasons, being just general comfort or for you know health reasons, then lots of encouragement around like making sure that they still have plenty of contact with the kids who like they would have been on the team with or who they would have been at practices with, things like that. And maybe that's, you know, FaceTime or Zoom or or something like that, or maybe even like small gatherings where you feel comfortable with, where the kids be socially distanced. But making sure because that's the biggest loss, you know is all that contact, all the interaction, all like the post-social benefits from being in activities and teams and sports like that, where you can do the best you can and recreate that virtually or like in small ways. Also, then you have to make sure that kids are getting up and moving and getting exercise and doing those things. And so like, it's hot in Arizona right now and it's humid and it's, it's monsoon and hot season. But, um, you can get out in the morning, you can get out in the evening, you can do things in the home, you can jump in a pool, it, any number of those things to make sure the physical activity happens. Um, that's There's lots of jokes about the COVID-15 and like, because people are so sedentary right now, Well, that's legit. And for kids, it's even worse because if they're on school computer all day long and then they're just going right to video game and like eating in there in between and like maybe doing some homework in there and then that's it man, they're on, the, they're not on their feet and they're just on their butt all day long. That's a big deal. And those can have some real long lasting effects for kids. And so, you know, make, you know, make a decision around whether or not you feel like it's appropriate, if they can be part of the team or, or activity or not. Um, do the best you can to create the, you know, to recreate the social interactions if they can't be part of those um, and make sure they're getting the physical activity. I can't over, I can't emphasize that last part enough either. There's so much mental health that's connected to our physical health, and there's so much mental health that's connected to our social interactions, especially for kids, and especially, especially for middle schoolers and high schoolers that they need, they, they, they're developmentally, they have to have those interactions to keep moving through like their paths of development. And that's going to get stunted if that stuff doesn't happen.
1: Taking care of those physical needs sets us up for success when it comes to mental and emotional needs. As you mentioned, exercise, adequate nutrition, and a big one for teenagers that not enough get is adequate amount of sleep. Uh, That's especially challenging now where they're getting that extra screen time, understandably so, because that's their lifeline to a lot of that. But as you said, taking care of the physical needs sets a child or a family up for those mental and behavioral, those, those emotional needs. Uncertainty is certainly, it's obviously a normal feeling right now, as this is uncharted territory for all of us, adults included. But what do we look for to recognize that a child is struggling with more than just basic unease over this unusual situation? And, and if we recognize that, what do we do?
0: Okay, so if for the younger kids, like like preschool, elementary school, things like that, what you're looking for is a lot of like headaches, stomach aches for like no medical reasons. Their, um, their appetite is affected e- either eating a whole lot more or a whole lot less, um, restlessness, fidgetiness, um, and like lots of like tense muscles and like problems with sleep. Um, also we'll see like uh, school refusal, um, or like even like crying more often, lots of complaining, uh, things like that. And so for, um, for them, it's, it's that same thing before, but like, again, you're going to ask them about what's going on for that age kid. Um, the preschool and the elementary age, it's going to be, you're going to say directly probably what they're, they're experiencing. So you're going to say something like, I can see that you're really nervous or worried these days. I can tell that you're, you have a lot of like worry on your face, or it seems like you're afraid or a lot afraid a lot, Kiddo, do you can you tell me what's going on? Tell me what's behind those scared thoughts. And address it that way with them. And again, just like before, it is the validate whatever they have going on, whatever they're afraid of. And it might be like I'm afraid about how I look and the camera on my, you know, my Google Classroom. And I'm afraid everyone's like looking at me and making fun of me. You know, that's probably not the case. You know, that's probably not the thing that's going on. But they're processing it that way. And just like you said, we're going to look at it through adult eyes of like, what's the big deal of that? for them it's a legit big deal that's honestly going on for them so you validate it you help f- help them figure out what's going on and then you regulate you help them figure out how to solve that problem and even for that age kid you're for, you're going to do a whole lot more like solving the problem with them kind of even a little bit like for them or giving them a few options about how to solve the problem but making sure that they feel control and that they have the say so and how that's going on um if we're going to talk about more like the the middle school age kids. Um, we're going to see about them having like lots of like, uh, potentially fears around very specific situations, um, or like even like classes. So like in middle school, generally speaking though, they switch from like class to class to class, to teacher to teacher. And then sometimes it's like same time of day where like there's the class where they are, they avoid like crazy or like, um, or it's really hard. or they just, they never get the homework done for that one. You're going to have to track it and see what's going on that way um also additionally we're like it's a low mood they're being irritable and grumpy and i i know i can hear all the parents laughing about like my middle schoolers grumpy and irritable all the time anyway that's their default mode (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right we call it the banana like whenever the the kid does the oh i don't want to do it and just bend straight backwards yeah i'm very familiar with that um but you're also going to hear at this age they're going to really they can say some things that seem to indicate lots of shame or lots of like low self-worth like I can't do it I'm never good enough I can't pull this off it's too hard those sort of things is when you're going to want for a parent also um to look at what's going on for them about help like asking some questions or um in that situation you're going to ask them what their what their feeling is or like what's coming up for them Again, you're going to validate it, you're going to investigate it, and then help them regulate. They'll probably be able to mostly come up with the answers for themselves um, and be able to come up some, with some strategies. Depending on your kid and their like, in, emotional and intellectual levels, you may have to help come up with and like give some options for it. Uh, but again, making sure that they feel in control about how to solve the problem. And it might be like emailing the teacher because they feel so far behind and they can't they can't figure it out. Or... Maybe they need some extra tutoring or maybe you need to sit there with them and help them, whatever it is. But like they feel the control and that they feel like they're have a big part in coming up with those solutions Um, for teenagers. What we're going to see is lots of like the overt defiance lots of rebellion. Um, we're going to see where, again, big, um, big changes in like appetite or behavior. You're going to see like lots of low mood. Um, and then it'll be like where kids just don't get out of bed for a day or two. Um, they're going to say that they feel sick all the time or like there's a constant like headache or stomach ache. Um, and also you're going to see lots more disconnection from their friends, from the parents, from everyone. Um, in that situation, again, you have to go to them Start with that. With what's going on, validate what they're feeling, validate what's coming up, validate that it's legit hard for them, um, and then help them regulate and come up with what's the solutions where they can solve that problem. And then help them as much as they need to to get through that. Um, Also, if these, if they, no matter what you do, there isn't the solution to the problem where the the mood still keeps coming up this way, um, where it's not getting better or like it worsens and worsens. And this is like for any age group. Uh, If that's going on for like three, four, five weeks and it's not getting better and it's getting worse and like no solutions are helping, that's the the time to seek some outside help. It might be anything from like a trusted mentor or peer to the school counselor to seeking like an outside therapist.
1: Validate, investigate, regulate. I like that you broke it up into age groups because it's not always a one-size-fits-all thing. Correct. When you investigate – When you, you know, seek to find out what's behind this, I, you know, I I know, and we've said on the show a lot to start with an open-ended question, a question that can't be answered by yes or no, because teens and preteens are masters (laughs) of no, yes, I'm cool. Everything's good. If we do begin that way, let's say that we Mm -hmm. notice something, we're seeing those signs and symptoms, maybe our parental instinct is kicking in and we ask that open-ended question, and we're still not getting much from them or they're telling us, that, no, nothing's really going on, but our instinct and the signs and symptoms are telling us that's not the case. How do you finesse the situation at that point to not agitate them, to feel, you know, make them feel like you're pestering them, but to find out what the source of that is? Because obviously, if there's something significant going on, if there's something like suicidal thoughts, there's substance use, we need to know. And I've always wondered, so what if you do the open-ended question and you're still getting the really brief answers, how do you approach it?
0: Yeah, so then it's, uh, of course, for any of us, we're, it's going to be really hard to admit in any given moment about what you have going on. So like when you approach your kid and you're saying like, if you ask a really good open-ended question, we're all going to defer to like, no, nothing's going on. It's you're going to feel a little defensive. You're going to feel a little like, caught or that there's something wrong or you're not sure mm-hmm. what anyone's intention is now that, that's that would be from like any adult to any kid or even like you know like your significant other or like anybody who you know and trust to be like hey what's going on we all just do the yeah i'm okay right now but to continue to like massage that relationship and so we advocate a lot for like making sure you've designated one-on-one time with your kid to take your kid out on dates and to have like this ongoing time where there is no agenda like I'm not sitting in front of you in order for you to confess to me what your problems are. Or I'm not sitting in front of you in order for you to talk to me about what the problem is in geometry. But you're just there and you're just with them. And it could be anything from like, you're just sitting in the room and you're both reading or you're playing video games with them or you go out and you, like, you get some takeout and uh, have a picnic or whatever, whatever. But in those times is when this stuff will come out. Because those are the times that feels safe where they're not going to feel like you have an agenda, that you're not there to try to get an answer out of them. And in those situations, just like for any of us where it's where your guard is down, you can feel a little bit more vulnerable. That's when your kid can will say like, okay, like, here's what's going on or like I'm really freaked out about or I'm feeling really sad about in those situations much more likely than if you come to them and say like, Hey, what's going on? Um, it's just really hard. That's like when your boss comes up to me, up to you and say, Hey, what's going on with this project? Or like, Hey, you've been (laughs) off lately. What's the deal? Like, no, I'm fine. What are you talking about? Um, but if you have that relationship with your boss, where like, you're out to lunch one day. That's when it's going to come up. That's when you're going to feel comfortable to, to do it. That's the same thing with your kids.
1: Those regular talk times are so crucial, and I can't emphasize enough to parents that finding the setting, the environment in which they feel comfortable opening up. We frequently advise to parents doing the regular dinner thing. We cite the Casa Colombia study, and we had a a dad one time that went through our Project Rewind early intervention program, single dad of a 16-year-old son, who I saw him a year and a half later at his son's school doing a presentation – and he came up, and he and he said, hey, it's good to see you again. That, that was really helpful. I want to talk to you about that dinner thing. We tried that, and it was two guys awkwardly staring at each other from across the dinner table. It was weird. They yep. said, this is what worked. My son and I got out in the garage, and when we were mm-hmm. side by side, not across from each other, and we're working with our hands on projects or working on my old truck or whatever – that's where my son opened up. And a a mom of an eighth grade son said, yeah, we go out for walks. I noticed that we're out moving around. That's where my son opens up. And so that's so important to have those scheduled times because they know there's that expectation of this. This is when we're gonna open up. We're gonna have this conversation here. And as I mentioned, in an environment where you notice that they feel comfortable talking. So you've mentioned... Very early on, probably the first or second question I asked you, we're already seeing some immediate and short-term mental health consequences as a result of all the COVID-19-related changes and shutdowns. Is there anything else related to this situation or this combination of of situations that we should be aware of, thinking of, and getting ahead of right now when it comes to our kids' mental and behavioral health? Is there something more long-term that we should be anticipating and, and trying to head off?
0: Um, you know, Shane, if I could see the future, I'd be very, very rich <laughs> and living in Las Vegas. However, um, it, it, it's so tough to predict now because it is the, like, our school's going to stay in school. If they go to the hybrid model, is that going to work? Is it like, the you know, like so many schools that like went back and then all of a sudden had to pull all the kids back because too many people tested positive all of a sudden or like when we go back or all the teachers going to walk out, like there's so many things, that are just so unpredictable. And just like you said before, like it, it, the way you said it was perfect. Like we have that very small sphere of things we have control of and that's it. And so let's the, I can control like my effort. I can control my attitude and I can control myself and my emotions and my behaviors. And I, then I have the things I can influence, which are like the other people in my house or like my friends or like the really people close in and then everything else. I don't have any say so any influence or any control over and it just is and you can you can have feelings about it it affects you it's a big deal but it is just happening and so I like in talking with like teens and uh and kids like all the time where they like we're processing like what's going on for them and like how they're dealing with things right now well to talk about like you know, what's affecting them. And they do this thing where they kind of just like wave their hand above their head and kind of point out my window to like the outside air. And I'm like, what are you talking about there? And they're like, it's just the COVID it's just out there. And it's just kind of like, it's everywhere and it's affecting everything all the time. And it's just like, it's just this thing. Yeah, that's for real. And we, we hear about it all the time. We have to consume it all the time through all the media's uh, and we're having to constantly process, like, what's real, what's fake, what do we know, what's going on. Um, and all we can do is be with each other and support each other. Um, the loss of, like, sports or, like, major league sports and professional sports and, like, even, like, college sports, what all that has meant is so profound. And so um, the, just that sense of normalcy that like and predictability about, like, what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. I think that more than anything else, like that, do you know what's going to happen next? No. Do you know what's going to happen? Like, do we know what's going to happen with the NFL? No, not at all. Do we know it's, are they going to be able to play like spring football in college? Like they're talking about? I don't know. We'll find out. Is high school football going to happen? Mm-hmm. We'll get it figured out. Basketball. Nobody knows yet all that stuff i think more than anything else if there's going to be any long lasting effects it's going to be the hey you never know anymore and you kind of it's you kind of need to be prepared and hang on a little bit because you just don't know that's that mindset and that thought which is scary but also it's going to be a little adaptive if done properly i think that's going to be around for a little while which is again like we talked about before remember like right after 911 where it was kind of like the oh no like what's going to happen we don't know we don't know what's next? next yeah exactly right this is the month now months long. We're 6 months into this, version of that.
1: That uncertainty is incredibly unnerving. I've had some people describe, you know, the what ne- what's next feeling as like waiting for a balloon to pop and people are constantly in this hyper alert state waiting for the next thing to happen that's where the adaptability and the resilience comes in. You mentioned adapting where it's so crucial because we can't say what's going to come next to be able to be flexible, to adapt, to teach our kids resilience. You know, there's three words that I feel like so many adults emphasize to kids, which is follow your dreams, which is fantastic. They should do Mm -hmm. that. But I feel like there's three more important words that we should be really teaching our kids. And that's learn to adapt because, things are going to go wrong. You won't get that job sometimes. Maybe that relationship will end, but it's learning how to adjust and showing that and modeling that for our kids, adjust to whatever life throws our way. So knowing all this then, what are some of the most simple yet effective things that parents can do to keep their kids mentally and emotionally healthy and safe? You've already named a whole lot of these. Is there anything else we haven't touched on yet?
0: Yeah, I think the, as kids are getting information, what are they doing with it? How are they processing it? And so if they, the, the older kids are, they're getting lots of information from not awesome sources, and it is legitimately everything from like TikTok videos through Snapchat shares through like Instagram and then, on, you know, none of them are on Facebook, but they could be. Uh, and so like the, the information that they're getting, what are they finding out? What's new? What's different? And how's it affecting them? To help them process and come up with their like their own answers about what's going on, which might be different than yours, and that's okay. And so, like what they think about, like, all right, flu season's coming up and the COVID's still around, and like everyone's starting to sound alarms a little bit about that, but nobody knows what it means. Your kids are getting that information. They're finding out about that too. What does it mean for them? And how are they processing it? And what are they doing with it? And then let them know what you're doing with it and processing with it. If they're older kids, like sit down in front of the computer with them and both of you read through like the articles that they're seeing and they're getting their information from. Tell them what you think, ask them what they think, and like form some opinions. Um, there's lots of parents that have had their opinions and thoughts changed by their kids because they've done this processing out loud with them. You're teaching them how to think, you're teaching them how to consume, and you're teaching them how to process and you're also teaching them like your set of like values and concerns, not in a direct way, but in an indirect way. But your kid's going to pick it up. And those are really valuable moments instead of like being scared or trying to run away from it or just telling them what to think uh, to go through it together. Like Like you said, like side by side versus face to face. Metaphorically, this is the same thing. We're like, all right, you and I are in this together versus me giving it to you. Um, the younger kids, it's going to be a little bit more like, all right, here's the information that's out there. Here's what here's what it means. Here's what it thinks. We're safe. The adults are here for you and taking care of you. But here's the information that's there right now and telling them a little bit more about what it means. And the older kids, you guys all figuring it out together.
1: You've already mentioned some of the answer to this as well. Um, you know, when we talked about not denying their feelings, don't minimize their feelings. We focused a lot in this conversation, including on the last question about what we should do, but it's obviously equally as important to know as parents what not to do. What are some important things for us as parents or adults who work with kids to avoid doing or saying when it comes to maintaining young people's mental health?
0: You have to be the calm one. You always have to be the calm one. And it's not easy, but when you're addressing your kid, I mean, with anything, Around these issues, be it school or COVID or what's happening or any of that, for you to be the calm one in this situation. And if you can't be, go get your stuff together, get yourself calmed down, and then reapproach it. If you come to them panicked, they're going to they're gonna learn from you about how to handle this information in these situations. They're gonna, then going to learn to come to it with fear and panic but then not have all the skills that you do in order to calm it down. And so like in approaching them with it, as they're getting the news, as you're finding out about like missing assignments that they should have known but didn't know, you have to be the calmest person in the room as the adult or as the parent. If you can't maintain that, if you're going to come in there like you're on fire, you have to calm yourself down first. And then you can't get mad whenever your kid acts like they're on fire too because they they're picking it up from you. And I get it. It's a big ask. I'm asking you to like, have something scary in front of you, but be calm anyway. Yes. That's the resilience. That's the adaptability. That is the like, Oh wow. That's big information. Like, Oh my gosh, I really messed up that school assignment. I had no idea. It's really hard to do math on the computer. Absolutely. Positively. Yeah, I get it. That's where you're coming from. Let's figure it out and then stay calm and and help them work through it. Uh, That's the biggest don't um, and make sure you avoid is your own reactions, being big and strong and angry and anxious and fearful in front of your kids. All those emotions are valid, but as you're going through it and trying to teach your kid about how to handle it, you have to be the calm one.
1: If they see us losing control, whatever information we're attempting to relay is not going to sink in as much as what they're reading in our facial expressions, our tone of voice, our body language, et cetera, absolutely nonverbals are key. Anything else you'd like to add or anything I may have overlooked?
0: Um, no, I think we, we covered so much of it between like the everything, like so many of the different factors that are um, affecting our kids in both these big and subtle ways.
1: You mentioned earlier some YouTube videos that you do. What I want to do is I'd like to get the link uh, for that from you, and we will put it down in the show notes, which reminds me, before we close, if our listeners want to connect with you or are interested in getting help from you, what's the best way for them to reach you?
0: So my Facebook and Instagram are both Michael Klinkner Counseling. The website is www.evolvecounselingaz.com. And then our YouTube is Evolve Counseling and Behavioral Health.
1: And as always, we will put all of those links down in the show notes. So if you weren't able to write that down in time as you were listening, do not fret. You will have that available (laughs) to you. Michael Klinkner, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. This has been incredibly insightful. It's very timely. This is something, some information and some support that parents really needed right now. Thank you so much for joining us here on Win This Year. Thank you, Shane. And as always on Win This Year, we'd like to give you some resources if you or someone you know is seeking mental or behavioral health support. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. The crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741-741. The Not My Kid text line can be reached by texting the word QUESTION to area code 602-584-8474. That's area code 602-584-8474. You'll be given a form to fill out, and a Not My Kid staff member will get back to you. And finally, dial 211 or visit 211.org anywhere in the U.S. or Canada for community information and referral services. Thanks once again to our guest, Michael Klinkner. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify in nearly every other mainstream podcast outlet. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at win this year at notmykid.org. Win this year at notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes along with all the links for Not My Kids social media. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you again for listening to Win This Year.